Warning, this podcast contains disturbing material. Hi, I'm Vicki Aldis with the Mail Tribune newspaper in Oregon. In episode one of The Protectors, we talked with detectives and prosecutors about the emotional toll of the child victim caseload. Thanks for sticking with us on that one. We know it wasn't easy listening to what they had to say, but we wouldn't have shared their stories if we didn't think it was important. In this episode, detectives and prosecutors talk about working with kids and how those kids surprise and inspire them. Detective Steve Bowen says many of the kids do things even adults can't do. I don't know, I'm mostly amazed by the fact that they're able to open up and talk about what happened to them. Because I know a lot of people in this world, they're not, I know for a fact were abused or molested and they still have not talked to it to this day. I'm inspired by the fact that they have the courage. I wish I had that much courage. We talk about us as police officers being brave and all that stuff, and but I think they are really the brave ones for having to be able to take that first step. Um, in today's society, um, people want to like, well, I don't know if that really happened. Are you sure that happened? And there's that doubt that they have and then having that overcome. So I think I, I inspired by the fact that they've been able to open up and talk about their experiences. And then there's always those kids out there that, you know, you're inspired by the fact that they had this horrific thing to them and they brushed it aside and may able to move on and be able to accomplish great things. You know, there's, um, they didn't let it affect their lives, um, and they moved on. And there's always something you always take away from a kid. The fact that kids open up is even more inspiring when you think that the perpetrator is usually someone they know really well. It's not a stranger popping out of the bushes. Here's what Detective Jason Penn has to say about that. Kids do um, have a lot to overcome, so the bravery to come forward and then to stick with their story, even though they're... Um, let's be honest here, we're dealing a lot of times with perpetrators or suspects who could be related to the children or could be a parent, could be an uncle, could be a cousin, could be someone who's very close financially supporting the family. And even though everything is crumbling around them, these kids maintain their statement. They keep, they stay the course with me. They, um, they fight through all this adversity. When detectives get a report about suspected physical or sexual abuse, they go talk to the kid. But they have to be careful how they handle the interview. In the 1980s, public hysteria erupted over reports of sexual abuse and satanic rituals at daycare centers. Some daycare workers were falsely accused of horrible crimes. Researchers found out it's pretty easy to lead a kid into fabricating a story. They'll try to give the quote unquote right answer to leading questions, even if the answer isn't true. If they don't know the answer to a question, they'll make a guess. After all, that's what we've taught them to do at school. Detective Diane Sandler says a lot has changed since then. Investigators are trained to do a proper forensic interview with a child. It's talking to kids in a way that's legally defensible at trial or in court. It's asking non-leading questions. It's 
it's attempting to elicit a response from a child that includes a running narrative rather than one word. So for instance, um, when I talk to kids about abuse, I may ask them, has anyone ever touched you on the private parts of your body? And if they say yes, rather than saying, well, who is it? And you know, when was it? And asking for just one word answers, what we'll say is, tell me all about that. Tell me everything that happened from the beginning to the end. And you allow the child to provide the details to you rather than you providing details to the child. So um, interviewing kids has changed dramatically in the last 15 years. Prosecutors are also careful not to lead a kid into a false story. Just a note, the vast majority of all criminal cases end in a plea agreement, but sometimes prosecutors have to take a child abuse case to trial. That means preparing kids to take the witness stand. It's a pretty scary idea to anyone, let alone a kid. Prosecutor Terry Smith Norton tries to help the kids get ready. And most importantly, what we tell them is you just tell the truth. That's your job up there. Um, we take them over to the courtroom. We have them sit in the witness seat. We have them look around and see, okay, this is where the jury is going to sit and explain what the jury does, where the judge is going to sit. This is, you know, this is where the person who abused you is going to sit, but that person's not going to be able to, to say anything to you, to hurt you in any way. We try to reassure them. And I, I think people in general are a lot less fearful if they have some idea, you know, of the setting and what's going to happen. But I mean, I don't know that there's any way to really fully prepare them for what that's like. And I've had children that have just amazed me up there. Um, sometimes children that I thought were going to shut down. And I've had kids who did great preparing and then they get in that seat and shut down. It's, it's very hard to, to really know how they're going to do ultimately. But I, I think we have a pretty good process set up to at least, you know, let them know what they can expect as far as trial. A lot of times, detectives and prosecutors have bonded with a kid during the investigation and build up to a trial. Detectives who are called to the witness stand say watching a kid up there is even scarier than when they have to testify themselves. Here's Detective Steve Bowen. When kids testify, it's, it's, it's emotionally draining because you know that they're in a tough spot. And they don't have to. They have to look at their accuser, at the person they're accusing of doing this to them, their perpetrator they're accusing them. And you just, I feel stressed out for them, knowing that they're up there having to answer these questions. And I've seen kids do really well. Like, man, I could never testify that well. I wish I had the strength to do what the kids do. Um, and then I've seen kids that were, that struggled through them, um, but they've also done well. Detective Bowen says it's especially hard to watch kids have to testify about sexual abuse. I'm an adult male and I have a relationship with my wife and I really don't want to go around talking to everybody about what I do with my wife and let alone now we have a child that has to do that on the stand and share that with everybody. I think that's a very difficult situation to do. And the majority of the kids that I've seen go through that have done phenomenal. Um, so I think it's a hard thing for every kid to have to go through. Detective Jason Penn says the kids didn't ask for these bad things to happen to them. 
on a kind of a side note, law enforcement, we deal with a lot of people who um, just due to their lifestyle brings us into contact with them, uh, whether they abuse narcotics or they um, a part of their narcotic use involves theft of, of other people's property. We come in contact with those people and then sometimes they're the victims. And so it kind of, in I don't know, it kind of taints the relationship when you have a person who's a quasi-criminal as your victim versus you've got this this kid who didn't ask for this to happen to them or this person who didn't ask for this to happen and you're able to develop a relationship with them, spend some time working with them, get them into different services through the community. There's a ton of services that are available to these people. Um, and so I really... I found that it was kind of a fulfilling uh, caseload. For me, it's changed my attitude towards that caseload from like, oh, I could never do that, which a lot of cops will tell you, I don't want any part of that. But once I think that they understood what it really meant to help somebody out of that situation, I think they would change their mind. For detectives and prosecutors, sometimes the hardest part comes after a case is finished. They've spent months and sometimes even years with these kids. Detective Steve Bowen says he wonders how kids are doing after a case wraps up. We really don't get the, the, a lot of the follow-up that we would like. I'd like to know what kind of happened to some of these kids. I don't know what happened to most of them. Um, they must be doing good because they're, we're not seeing their names in our reports and our watch commander's reports because we get brief, daily briefings of what happened. So obviously they're doing well. Prosecutor Zori Cook also keeps thinking about the kids. There are cases that you'll always take with you. I think what's been harder for me is that you work, when we get a trial that goes, at least in my experience, I've had that case for at least 18 months. And especially when you get close to trial dates, you're meeting with that family, you're talking with the family, Paula downstairs in our victim advocacy center, not at center, but um, she calls all the time. So you have this buildup of, I'm with this family at least once a week, if not twice a week, I'm on the phone, I'm prepping the kids, you get to see the kids grow up a little bit. You go through this really emotional experience with them and then you don't see them again. And sometimes you'll run into families. I ran into a family at South Freddy's a while back and got an update on the kids and they were doing great, but I think it's that they're just gone and you don't know how they're doing. You don't have any, for us, for me, it's about controlling the outcome, and I don't have any control over that outcome of their life. So the kids I remember the most are the ones who I've taken through trial, and no matter what the outcome is, just where, where are they now? You know, what are they doing now? Are they better off now that they went through a prosecution with us? That's what's hard, is not knowing anymore. Usually the only way to know is running into a kid somewhere in the community. But Detective Jason Penn has used texting to get an update. The instance that I'm thinking of, the kiddo, uh, she's an older teenager and so she uh, texted me and her mom texts me and I try to find out how they're doing and every now and then I just uh, shoot them a text and check in and I let them know I'm thinking of them, say hi. And um, I think it, um, 
in talking to the parent of this individual, it seems to have seems to help just to let them know that I, I believe in them and I want good things for them. Even if they lose touch, detectives and prosecutors say they get something out of every case they work with a kid. Prosecutor Terry Smith Norton says even the littlest kid can be inspiring. I think all of all of my victims inspire me because it, they're so brave to go through this process. I mean, I, I ask myself, would I would I put myself through this? Would I have wanted to go through this at their age? And I can't say a hundred percent yes. I you know I think I think uh, they all inspire me that they're able to to stick with this and they were able to tell to begin with because the pressures that they deal with in their situation are usually. Um, pretty high. Um, I've had kids who disclose and then they're not supported by their mom. Their mom wants to believe her boyfriend instead of her child. I've had a woman who I had in my office who I had to explain that the fact that the offender, her boyfriend had chlamydia and her five-year-old had chlamydia was pretty good evidence that this abuse actually occurred and she just looked at me like I was crazy. Didn't believe it wasn't going to believe it. Um, so it's pretty inspiring to me that that child could still maintain and still go ahead with her disclosure in the face of, of the person who's supposed to love and protect her most, not standing by her. And I'm amazed by that. I don't know that I'm personally that strong. Mm -hmm. So I am pretty inspired by, by all of my victims, really. Terry says she has to force herself to stay calm in situations like that. The way that I, I manage is that I, I mean, me getting angry or upset is not going to, to change that perception. All I can do is try to be logical and explain. And, you know, if that person doesn't want to be reached, they're not going to, nothing I say is going to make a difference. Um, it, it makes me really sad for that kid and it makes me upset and it makes me worry about that child. I, I had another case with the little girl where the mom was just, absolutely insistent that her boyfriend hadn't done this. And it was so hard to meet with this child because she would say in front of this child, oh, she's just here to talk about her lies. And I'd look at this little girl's face and it just broke my heart. Um, I think of her a lot because off she went with her mom and I wonder how she's doing, um, how this has affected her. That's the hardest part for me is I, I want to take these kids home um, when their mother is, is doing that. Um, I can't imagine anything worse than having this horrible thing happen to you and you tell the person who's supposed to protect you and then they, they don't believe you and they'd rather call you a liar than disconnect from the boyfriend or, you know, whoever this person is. I like to think that somehow that child remembers that, that yeah. members of our team believed them, even if mom didn't believe them, that, that we cared and that we were there for him, even if mom was trying to destroy the case the entire time. Prosecutor Zori Cook says situations like that make her even more determined. There's no use in arguing with people who don't want to hear it. And so just you give them the facts, they're going to do what they do with it. I think it, at least for me, it makes me a little more insistent that we do stick up for that child because they're not getting the support at home. Zori says she's especially inspired by kids who tell the truth because it's the right thing to do, no matter what happens afterward. I had one little one say, um, when something bad happens, you tell your mom. 
and something bad happened, so I told my mom. It's just so black and white and so great. Like, something bad happened and you told. Detective Diane Sandler says she often sees how strong kids are during the sentencing phase. That comes after a person has pleaded guilty or been found guilty during a trial. Before a judge hands down a sentence, victims get to stand up in court and say how the abuse affected them. Um, the ones that stand out to me are usually not the victims that have said, Whew, I am a victim and I am crushed forever. It's usually the person that says, this bad thing has happened to me, but I will not let it define my life. I'm gonna go on in spite of what you did to me and I am gonna succeed in this lifetime. And it has given them somewhat of this strength that um, is very powerful in a courtroom. Detective Sandler says when kids get physically or sexually abused, it's usually because they've been hurt and betrayed by an adult. That adult is often someone they love. It can hurt even more if members of a family or community rally around the offender and say the abuse never occurred. But Detective Sandler hopes kids gain something from the team of investigators, detectives, therapists, and other adults who step in to help. I think that's very powerful for kids because somewhere along the way, usually someone has failed them. Someone has failed in a capacity to help protect that child. And I think it can be very powerful to have people that are in positions of power to be able to say, we believe you and we support you, uh, so that they can move forward. Like I said, most of the time now, I, I see the exact opposite, where we have people rallying around the perpetrator rather than the victim. And there can be a whole lot of rallying around a victim going on. But at the end of the day, when I go home to my family and that prosecutor goes home to their family, this child goes home to somebody. And if they're not supported and they don't feel supported, um, their future can look fairly bleak. They need that support in their lives and they need somebody to say, we believe you and we're going to help you and we're going to listen. In episode three, we'll talk with detectives and prosecutors about common misconceptions people have about child victim cases. They'll also share what you can do to help kids.